Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio. Christina Riley is a big part of the Red Hen Project. Her co-workers think so highly of her that they wanted us to feature her and talk about what she does. We think you'll be really impressed with Chris. Charities are always a collaboration between a number of passionate individuals, enthusiastic to make sure that important work gets done. But sometimes there are people who don't just work hard, they're the heart and soul of the project. That's how our guest today has been described. Christine O'Reilly is part of the Red Hen Project, a charity set up to support families in helping their children thrive at school. Chris's work has been recognised by the award of a British Empire Medal and co-workers think so highly of her that they wanted to bring her to our attention. So we'd like to thank you and welcome you to Women Making Waves today, Chris. Thank you very much. You're a senior home school project worker and you've been with the Red Hen Project since 2002 and noticed that prior to that you were a teaching assistant. Was that a job that you enjoyed? It was a job that I loved, actually, and it was working in the local schools, so it was in my own community, and uh, I very, very much enjoyed working with the children and, and helping them with their education. It was very rewarding. How did you get into that? Had you done anything like it in the past? Or, I, I mean, I know a lot of friends of mine start that kind of job when their children go to school because it fits in really well with a school day. Absolutely. That was one of the main reasons why I, I wanted to get back into work when my youngest child went to school, but I needed to have a job that w- I could have the school holidays off so that I could have the, be there to look after children in the holidays. And a vacancy came up for looking after the children with special needs in the, in the local Grove Primary School. It was a school my own children were attending. So it was really, really helpful. And, it, and I found it absolutely amazing. It was really, really good to fit in with my lifestyle and to get the job satisfaction. Mm-hmm. It was perfect when you get something like that, actually. You were sadly widowed when your eldest child was just six years old and your youngest was 10 months old. That must have been absolutely awful, incredibly tough. It was very tough going, actually. And I think one of the reasons I was so keen to do work with and around children was that my children and I found it incredibly difficult. It was really hard mm-hmm. that our life changed instantly and none of the things that we planned and thought would happen and the way we would run our lives were going to be the same. And I think it is very hard and I think all things that happen in children's lives impact on their ability to cope and do their everyday things like schooling and things. So I think it made me very aware of how hard it can be for children really. Yes, I was wondering, <laughs> actually, I was wondering if your own experiences on bringing up children on your own has helped in helping other people in the same situation or, or, or similar situations. I think it makes you very, very much aware of how hard it is to raise, to, to raise children at all, really, but particularly to raise children on your own. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it it helps you to certainly be a lot less judgmental because I think it's sometimes if you see people not coping and you're not aware of why, it can sometimes be easy to judge how they're doing. But I think if you've been there and done that and you've walked the walk, you know how incredibly difficult it is. I was very lucky. I had my 
my parents and my sister not far away. Some families don't don't have any support whatsoever, mm -hmm. and it's really really hard. So yeah, I think it certainly did influence my desire to help children and their families. Absolutely. What happened then? You you stopped working as a teaching assistant and you went into uh, work in social care. What drove that move? Well, the school system was changing and whereas we'd been taxiing children into one school, so there were lots of children with special needs moving into one mainstream school, education was moving towards children with disabilities being educated in their local primary schools. So, of course, as those children left the school to go back to their pri local primary schools, there wasn't any need for the TAs. So I still wanted to continue working with children. So when a vacancy came up at social care to be a family worker with them, it seemed a really sensible move to make. Mm -hmm. And actually, it stood me in really good stead because I'd already got a good outline of an, an idea of looking after children within the school setting but actually it's a whole different thing going into to families homes and supporting children and and their parents when they're very troubled so I got that experience too which really helped for the job I then moved on to. Yeah I can imagine it would. So then you moved on to working for the Red Hen Project and that sounds like a great organisation. I've been looking at the website and Facebook page. It seems to be a really loved organisation as well. It is. I think because it's based in the community, it's very much community based. It's now supporting children from five primary schools. But when I first started, it was a very small organisation. We supported children from three primary schools and I was the only worker until about six years ago. So it was very much ownership, I think. I lived in the community as well as working at the Red Hen. I was known locally by lots of people. And I was not exactly on site, but I was available. I was around. So actually, if they had a crisis, they didn't need to wait to be referred to somebody or to go and try and find some help somewhere. Mm -hmm. Actually, they they only had to do what most parents do when they're troubled. Their first port of call is their school. So they would go into their school and they would say, I'm really struggling. I can't get them to school or I'm in debt. I can't do this. Whatever their issue was and their school rather than them try to deal with it themselves, which is what they did before the project was available, they could say, well, look, we've got the Red Hen project. Why don't I refer you to Chris and Chris will come and see you and see what yeah. you can do. And also because we are a local charity and we're not public sector, so we're not social workers, it's entirely voluntary. So any time those parents think, no, this isn't for me, they can say, no, I don't want that help. Which yep. I get. Kind of get actually because it's, it's a, a very serious, official isn't thing, isn't it? Going through it social is. workers, it is. And um, and if you're already struggling and you feel you're failing as a parent, then actually you, you you're not keen on somebody coming along and agreeing with you, saying, "No, you're rubbish." Actually, <laughs> and, yeah, you know, not yeah. that that's what social workers do, no. but actually, as a parent in that situation, that's what you'll feel that is going yep. to happen. Yeah, you know? I completely understand. Yeah. Do you think that families are struggling more these days, even before COVID? You know, I'm not talking about the moment where everybody, I think, is struggling. Do you think that families are struggling more these days than, say, you know, 20 years ago? Yeah, I would say so. I, I mean, in my sort of nearly 19 years I started the project, I think they were struggling. There were lots of struggling parents and families, but I think the struggles were different. Over time, I think things that have come up more have been things like 
poverty and we had a huge increase in issues around domestic violence, more issues around substance abuse and more pressures from outside. I think as schools are put under pressure to perform better, that pressure kind of goes on to families because yeah. there's the expectation that families will ensure their children are in every day, make sure they do the homework, make sure they do all these things. So that pressure increases. There's the social pressures of trying to keep up with your friends and your families and other families. So I think there are lots and lots of issues. I think what happens with parenting, I think we parent roughly our, how our parents parented, mm-hmm. but we change it a bit. We don't do the bits we didn't like and yes. we add a bit to what we did like. <laughs> but actually, some of the parents we are working with have very little experience of being parented well. So then their ability to do something different is limited. So they will repeat what yeah. happened to them in the parenting. Yeah. And it didn't work for them and it won't work for their children, but they don't know what else to do. So I think if they can li- link into somebody, a, a project that is non-judgmental, is easy to access and can be tailored to your needs, it's so much easier to accept somebody saying it would be really good if you could try this. Why don't we try this? So ownership, yeah. I will try it with you. I will support you to do what you need to do to get the outcome you want for your children and family. So I think there are lots more pressures on families and I think that's why they need a different approach to something more heavy-handed, I think. And if you can get in early before the difficulties get really, really entrenched, that's even better. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about the pressure from schools because they're they're constantly under, I guess, government instruction to try and absolutely, improve their stats. Yeah. And you know absolutely. what? Not everybody is academic. I get the feeling that these days there's a drive that everybody should be, you know, high achieving and academic. And I know that way back when I was at school, there were streams and and there were people that were never really expected to be academic and and they were, you know, taught differently. And actually, as long as they achieve their best and they are happy in their achievements and there is is, space in the world for everybody, isn't there? Yeah. Whether you're a professor... Or somebody doing a lowlier job, if yeah. you know, if it's the job we need every job filled, don't we? That's right. And actually, it's not just about academic achievement; it's about being well balanced. And I think there's a huge amount more mental health going on now, yeah. even in our young children. And that's certainly one of the huge impacts we had on parents. A huge percentage of the parents that I've worked with have had mental health issues, and they have a huge impact on their children huge impact if you struggle to get out of bed in the morning to get your children up to have the energy to feed them get them into school uniform and get them to school the first thing that will go will be school yeah although it'd be better for you if they were at school because then you've got your day to try and sort out your mental health and your own issues you haven't got the energy to get them there Mm -hmm. so you know those pressures are huge and they always impact on children. And it can often fall on the oldest child as well, can't it, to look after the younger ones in that kind of scenario, presumably. Absolutely, yes. We did yeah. work, we've worked with many young carers, and that's really hard too, really mm-hmm. hard. Have, have you ever come across a problem that you just couldn't fix, that you've had to give up on? I'm not good at giving up. 
I don't think you are. I'm not good at giving up. I don't think I've ever come out of a family where either I haven't been able to help them or if I can't help them, I haven't found somebody else who can. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in this sort of work, you, you will come across families where there are huge safeguarding issues. And sometimes the best you can hope for is that if it's beyond what I can do, I can get social care involved and not in order to take those children away, but in order to put some more intensive work in. My priority was always to support children and their families. But actually, if it's a choice of not safeguarding the children, but yeah. supporting the families, then that can't happen. Yeah. So sometimes there, there comes a time when you have to say, no, this isn't safe, so this needs to go to somebody else. But interestingly, I don't think there was ever a case that went to social care that I hadn't built a good enough relationship with the family before to not be able to do it with their... Not permission exactly, because I don't need permission if I'm concerned about child safety, but without them going along with me. Yeah, without them understanding. Saying, yeah, absolutely. And by being able to say, I, "This, this isn't safe. This isn't something I can deal with. We will have to refer it, but I am very happy to stay around with you for the beginning, in order to come to meetings with you, be there when you meet your social worker for a little while." So you feel safe that somebody else is there to help you, not to judge you. Mm-hmm. So I think it's still a success, isn't it? It is. Even if they haven't fixed it, you know? Yeah. No, you're right. Do you ever have difficulty keeping a professional distance? Because you must get to know these people really, really well. You do get to know these people really, really well. And you do get attached to them. But it has to be in a safe way. So... You know, I would never get into a relationship that was not a professional way. Sometimes the family struggled with that. I remember one lady I was working with, and she, it was a very, very difficult case. And they had some very difficult things going on in their family. And, and I supported her for a long, long time. And she did once say to me, it's so good to have you as a friend, Chris. And I mm-hmm. felt quite bad. But I said, actually, I'm not your friend, we get on really well and we're working well together to address your issues. But I can't be your friend because that doesn't feel very safe. And yeah. she was quite upset for a little while. So I sort of did a short visit and then I phoned her back the next day and said, you know, you were clearly upset by that. And we talked it through and actually she said afterwards, yes, yeah, she realised that actually that was right and that she couldn't be a friend. But could she keep in touch when, she, when I closed the case? And I said, you know, through work you can. Yeah, absolutely. You can drop into the Red Hen any time you like or come to one of our sessions. That would be brilliant because I love to hear how you're getting on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the advantage with being local. And we would do things every year since, well, probably since I joined the Red Hen, actually. The Arbury community have Arbury Carnival. Mm-hmm. So there would be stalls all set up on the green and a carnival parade and all sorts of things. And I always made sure that pretty much every year we were there, we'd have a tombola and a cake stall. We would make a little bit of profit, not a huge, but actually what it did was we had an opportunity for those families to come to the carnival and come and see us on the stall and come and chat and update us on how well they were doing. And by, believe it or not, after 18 years, the last time we went to the Arbor Carnival, which wasn't, obviously wasn't this year because it was cancelled, but last year when we went, I had people coming and say to me, 
do you remember her? Do you remember when you helped me to get her to go to school every day? I said, well, I remember you and I remember doing that with you, but I certainly don't remember this young lady because she was there with a baby. And I was thinking, oh, how did that happen? You were such a little girl. So, and I think it's an incredible achievement if you can go into families and actually effectively saying, what you're doing isn't working and it's not right, we need to change all this, and them still want to come and see you and show you how well they've done. Yeah. You know, you've given the confidence to believe in themselves that they are able to be good parents and raise their children. Look, you can see I've raised her well, because look, here she is, a mum herself. Oh, lovely. You know, it's amazing. That is lovely. Yeah. The team themselves at the Red Hen, they sound like a friendly bunch. Does everyone get on really well? Is it a good place to work? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yes, everybody gets on. It's really, really nice. And there are close links with the schools too. So that's really helpful. I think that helps parents and children and schools really to, because mm-hmm. there's a limit to how much schools can know about the families, yes. obviously, because they see the children in school but not otherwise. So sometimes it's really helpful for parents to know that if they're worried about something in school, you can help them with that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So and and I say and all the staff at the Red Hen get on very very well. It's really good. Now you've you've been suffering from ill health yourself recently. I have unfortunately yes. yes. And, so and I've you, been off sick for some time now. So you've not been able to be as maybe as involved as you would like to. I'm assuming no. you're involved a wee bit. I'm involved in as much as I keep in touch with them and I and I do things like they've got their Christmas appeal. So I've been doing the the wish list on Amazon for their Christmas present appeal and I did a wish list for them for things like half, when half term comes up, obviously families struggle to keep children occupied. So I did a wish list, for, list on Amazon for art and craft materials that people very kindly donate. And I do uh, video links occasionally to their drop-ins. Obviously, they're not doing drop-ins at the moment. But when they were doing drop-ins, I'd do a video link and chat to the families. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's tough, actually. And I feel if, if I'd been well and working during the, um, the COVID things, I know I'd have been up to my armpits in sorting out who needed help with food and who, who yes. needed help with whatever. And I felt quite bereft, really quite bereft that I couldn't be there doing what I've been doing for 19 years yeah yes I can imagine but you know the the time comes that you've got to uh, you've got to shield and and that's and that's unfortunately the the case sad thing is I was off having treatment and things and obviously that's why I'm shielding but it came to my retirement time before Covid was under control so sadly Oh, now we'll be retiring and won't have done all the wonderful goodbyes and things that I'd hoped that we would do before the end. But we did do a really lovely Zoom meeting where I was obviously at home, but the staff from Red Hen and staff from the schools and amazingly parents that I've worked with over the years, some from a long, long time ago and some more recently, and other professionals that I've worked with all sort of joined us on a Zoom meeting and it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I can imagine because I know having spoken to um, someone that you work with, you are really highly regarded. They absolutely love you. She couldn't speak more highly (laughs) about you, actually. And I know you've recently been awarded the British Empire Medal. How did that feel when you heard about that? Oh, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, you do these jobs because you love it and it's addictive and, you you know, you get caught up in it and it's amazing. 
and actually you see yourself as just I'm just Chris I'm just Chris who works at the Red Hen and then out of the blue you get an email to say wow well done you've got a beer <laughs> so it was unbelievable. But the really tough bit was I had an email in May to say you've got a BEM, but actually you're not allowed to tell a soul, not even your family <laughs> and friends, until October, which oh, was no. incredibly difficult. Incredibly oh, that's murder. <laughs> it was tough. It was tough. I think probably being in lockdown probably helped because I didn't see anybody to tell, so that was helpful. But keeping it from my children was really hard. Do you get to go and pick that up from Buckingham Palace at some stage? It would be local, but because of all the COVID stuff going on, we don't know when it is. And also, I'm still shielding, so we don't actually know if when it, if, when it happens, I will be allowed to go. So I'm oh. hoping it will. Julie Spence, who's the Lord Lieutenant, did mm-hmm. say that if, if I couldn't, then she would arrange to do it on a one-to-one level. But I would love to, to go and get it and meet other people who've got similar awards it would yes, be wonderful that would be lovely yeah, julie would. spence is is lovely we yeah. had her on this program actually and she's fantastic yeah. <laughs> she is brilliant several years ago i met with her at an evening talk i gave about the project and she said she was very interested in it and she came to see us see me at the office and we talked about what we did and she you know she's kind of been around the periphery of the project ever since which is really lovely a very nice lady. Yes, she is. She's very supportive and really, really nice. Absolutely. Chris O'Reilly, it's been great having you on Women Making Waves today. We feature inspirational women and you truly are an inspirational woman and it's been such an honour to have you on the programme today, so thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Linda, what an incredible lady, Christina Riley, part of the Red Hen Project. She's been through quite a bit and I just love her empathy, her empathy for the people that she's helping. I know, but to be widowed quite suddenly when she had very young children, that in itself is a real shocker, actually, awful. But that, I think, has given her a lot of strength, I suppose. Mm. You know, she had to do all of this herself when she wasn't expecting to. And that's, I think if you choose to be a single mother, then it's a choice. If it happens to you, like the way it happened to her, with all of your dreams shattered and and you're left with children to bring up, I mean, how awful, how awful. But then she she's turned that and used that to good avail. She has, she has. And it, it takes someone really special to do that. And, and I know she says in the interview that her parents and her sister were very near to help her. But I just can't, but I, it's incredible. We, we, you know, we have a lot of empathy with people nearest and dearest to us, but she seems to have empathy for all sorts of situations. And that's what mm-hmm. I find really remarkable. Yeah. And she's not very well at the moment, you know. She said she was shielding just now, so she's she's got a lot to a lot to think about. Yeah. What really inspired me as well about her was previous to to chatting to her, some of her workmates or one of her workmates talked to mm-hmm. me, and they were just glowing about her. You know, yeah. they they said that she was absolutely amazing and brilliant to work with, and they just loved her. Yeah, you, know? you can tell. So you can, yes, you can, yeah, and, really and, and that in itself is. A huge endorsement. Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio.